We are now joined on the line by Penny Jane Cook, uh, an environmental justice activist at Greenpeace. Thanks for your time this morning. Thanks, Rakina. Good morning to you and your listeners. Penny Jane, um, firstly, have they agreed on any legal protocol and does this add or subtract to anything that they have done thus far at COP21? So currently where we are in terms of the text is that a draft agreement is in place, which basically what that means is it lacks the details. So what you'd see if you were to look at the draft text is a lot of really good information and a lot of really good positions that could take us forward. But you'd also see a lot of information that's currently in brackets, which means that's what's still under discussion. And one of those key issues, as you very rightly say, is the financing mechanism. And the main issue around that is that it really needs to be a financing position that's in place that is predictable and that can really guide developing countries as to where they will go in terms of finance going forward. And um, then I must just say... uh, I was quite taken aback just reading through um, some of the developments at COP21. And um, in October, they uh, released, you know, um, uh, in July, rather, it was uh, an 83-page proposed text. And people are saying we should take this seriously. This is a serious problem. But then they complain that 83 pages is too much to read. So are they really serious about what's going on here? There are many countries that are very serious, but... Unfortunately, what we are seeing, too, is that a lot of countries are dragging their heels on the important issues. And that's where you see complaints around the length of text and the level of detail coming into play. So basically what you want to come, well, what they're wanting to come out of Paris is every country has to agree to the text. And if you're trying to get that many diplomats to agree to a common text, obviously a lot of things are going to become problematic. And unless we can get all countries to start to agree and to stop pulling back on the really important agreements that we need to see, we're going to have another situation where we had in Copenhagen where the text that comes out of the agreement is effectively meaningless. Um, Some of the more salient points coming out of that draft agreement? Well, there are many salient points, but unfortunately, as I said in the beginning, a lot of it is still draft. All the really important things around common but differentiated, that principle, and around financing and around a long-term goal, and also around something that's legally binding, that still has to be agreed and still has to be discussed going forward. So until we actually see the final text and see what's been agreed to, we can't actually claim that we're having a win in Paris. Are you positive that at the end of this conference, a legally binding agreement will be achieved? Unfortunately, it's too soon to say. Um, There are a lot of key countries that are pushing back very strongly against the legally binding agreement. Um, And I I think it's just important to say the reason that that is so important is that countries are then held responsible. So what we see a lot of the time is on the international stage, countries make big, broad, sweeping statements about how well they plan on doing in the future, but then they go back and what you see happening nationally doesn't reflect those commitments on an international stage. It also means that when there's a change in cabinet in various countries, that the new administration isn't held accountable for what was promised in the international arena. So it's really important that that legally binding element comes through in the Paris Agreement.